Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. We are back this week, and before I get started with any social reminder, anything like that, I just want to say that our thoughts and our prayers are with everyone impacted by Hurricane Ian down in the southwest Florida area. Just the pictures that we've seen from there are heartbreaking. It was a little bit of a crazy week last week, so Lynn and I were not able to bring the show to you, but we're back this week. Uh, But once again, our thoughts and our prayers, heavy hearts with the folks down in the Fort Myers, Naples area in southwest Florida and anyone impacted by this storm. But we will get into, we'll hope we can give you a a release from everything that went on last week, uh, an escape, so to speak, and we're going to talk about the Buccaneers, that loss on Sunday night football to the Kansas City Chiefs, and then this coming weekend and what is surprisingly a battle for first place in the NFC South between the Bucks and the Atlanta Falcons. As always, you can follow me on social media on Twitter at TD Experience. Follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Check out BucksNation.com on a daily basis. They'll keep you updated on everything going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And also, another person that'll keep you updated on everything going on with the Bucks and pretty much everything else that just runs through his mind. You can follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. He's the one, the only, Len Martez. What's up, man? What is up is parody in the NFL. Two and two. It's not just on Sunday with the Falcons and the Bucks. It's throughout the NFL, including a whole division that has teams that are two and two. Two and two. We ain't talking about love connection, Chuck Willoughby. Two and two. That's not good. That's bad football. Bad football. All right, Tom. <laughs> hey, Tom, Tom's no genius. That dude is no genius. All right. He may have said it because he was asked a question today in the presser, but plenty of folks have said it in regards to when you have that much parity in the NFL and the teams are 500 or below 500. Again, we ain't breaking stories here. The man ain't walking on the moon. We are not making bread for the first time. When teams, again, are, are at 500, the majority of the league, think about that. The majority of the league is two and two. That's bad it's, football, dude. That's there's only football. It's it's one undefeated team, the Eagles, and one winless team, the uh, the Texans left. Usually at this point, you you have a hand you have a handful of either, but that's that's what we've got right now. Again, in the NFL. you have a whole division, four teams, the whole division. It's two and two. By the way, did you when you were talking about landing on? Did you equate making bread for the first time as the same kind of scientific no. advance no. as landing Just on the Bringing up things that happen for the first time. I didn't equate. I didn't equate <laughs> the, the actual significance of both things. Only you would ask that question again. I was big. I could. I could have said anything. I could have said Orville Wright, the Wright brothers. All right. I could Shout have said, out North Carolina. I could have said you're goofy behind. Making popcorn for the first time, Orville Redenbacher. I just mentioned things that happened for the first time. All right, you, I, mean, I mean, you really want me to get to? You really want me to get to the nitty gritty on this? Uh, I, first time, you, first time you got a little peck on your on your cheek. All right, 
sneaking in the sneaking in the closet has some little has some, some little you know both sex party you have for the first time where you weren't sleeping with what, what are we doing here alright we're gonna let's move on now you know so when like, you were in that sleepaway camp with all, with oh all guys God. you probably got a little kiss when you were 15 years old you know on your cheek you started. <sighs> you started. <laughs> All right. Let's get into what happened uh, last week, Lynn, on Sunday Night Football, Bucks and Chiefs. And for the majority of this season, when we've been on here and we've been breaking down the good, the bad, and the ugly from these games, the good has been the Buccaneers' defense, and the bad and the ugly have been things that have happened on the offensive side of the football this week, the Bucks got back a lot of their offensive weapons. Mike Evans, most notably from that one-game suspension that he served, and he was out for the Green Bay game. But this week was kind of a get-right game for the offense, but the defense did not do well whatsoever against Pat Mahomes in that Chiefs offense. Uh, Lynn, which do you think was more of the more of the outlier? Was the Bucks' defense just having a bad game? more of a blip on the radar or was, I mean, the Chiefs defense still isn't the greatest or was what the offense was able to do more of a blip on the radar? No, 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 no. It was definitely the defense, the way, the way they were controlled by, by the Chiefs. The Chiefs had the football for 38 minutes in that game. The Chiefs scored on four straight drives to start the game. That in itself, that's 28 points, dude. I mean, <laughs> Towson grad Len Montez can figure that out <laughs> without a calculator, baby. And I'm my phone. All right. It doesn't 20- help when you fumble the opening kickoff. Well, I mean, bottom line is, you, okay, that's one. What about the other three? Yeah. You're going to cut me off and walk over me. <laughs> yet, yet the majority of, majority of touchdowns all right, no. were long drives. Rashad White, all right? Fumbled. Yeah, he, he fumbled the opening kick. And, and that certainly set them up, you know, just outside the red zone. Okay. But what about the three other long touchdowns that they had, the three long drives that they, they had besides that? Not to mention the fact that they rushed for 186 yards or 189, whatever it was. Right? And you rushed for three total. <laughs> okay? So I understand that the, the defense put the offense behind the eight ball by giving up those touchdowns the way they did, and it forced them to throw the football 52 times. But the defense, even with that fumble, all right, even with that fumble, okay, you gave up seven. What about the other three drives in the first half, man? I mean, it was ugly. It was ugly. And whether it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Isaiah Pacheco, both those guys ran like, it was a preseason game for them, and it was it was bad. It was it was the worst, I think, in my eyes, the worst defensive performance by the Bucks since that game versus the then Washington football team, where they allowed a nearly twenty play drive to close a game in the fourth quarter. That there may be another one, someone may bring up, but in my eyes, what I remember, that was. Sunday's performance was the worst performance by the defense since that game versus then Washington football team. Granted, it was in D.C., but uh uh-uh, man. You got pushed around, pushed around. 
I mean, there's those those clips going out there on social media of Vita Vea even being pretty well manhandled on some of the running plays. And he came out after the game and spoke about how he was disgusted with his performance. And you mentioned it to me. I think this is the worst that the run defense specifically has looked since Todd Bowles has been here in Tampa Bay. Because that has been the strength of the team since Todd since Todd was here was the run defense. And we talked a lot about in in the offseason and them letting 93 go and how much of a factor he was in, in that run defense. And then you got Hicks hurt as well. I mean, I don't necessarily... The defense performed very well in the first three games of the season. So I don't necessarily think that this is a sign of things to come per se, but it is a little bit worrisome when it's that bad. Here's the thing. All right. And you brought up 93 and Dominican Sue, who wasn't brought back. We all know that. But the thing that sticks out for me, when you think about a Dominican Sue, and we can go back to the year they won the Super Bowl and Rakeem Nunez Rotes coming in and filling in for who? Vita Vare, right? He didn't fill in for Indomitian Sioux. Indomitian Sioux was still playing. So right now, whether it was the Super Bowl run where Sioux was in there and Vita, Vita Vey was out, or whether it's right now where Sioux's not in there and you have to replace him with Rakeem Nunez-Rochus alongside Vita Vea. See, that's the thing. That's the thing that needs to be remembered, okay? People want to talk about, okay, well, Rakeem Nunez-Rochus is good enough to plug in because he was good enough to plug in for Vita Vea during the Super Bowl run. Yeah, he was plugged in alongside who? Indomitian Sue. Indomitian Sue's not there anymore. So now you're not plugging him alongside Indomitian Sue. You're plugging him alongside the guy that he replaced during that Super Bowl run. It's different because you're talking about that veteran that Indomitian Sue is who you have to, you have to put two blockers on. Don't forget what he did for the LA Rams when he was at LA alongside Aaron Donald and what he did for the guys to his right and left. All right. The end on his right or his left. Yeah. That the, the fact that Indomitian Sue is no longer on the football team has not been talked about enough in my eyes. And look, Akeem Hicks can come back after his injury and he may have end up having a, a good year when he does come back. But the bottom line is they made a bad decision not bringing back a dumb Sue from what we see. If there's something else that we don't know, okay. Because Lord knows 2022 has brought, on, brought, brought us a, a lot of surprises. But from what we know, they made a bad decision not bringing back Indomitian Sioux. As much equity as this team has earned and Jason Light has earned over the last three or four years with the draft picks and obviously bringing Tom here, they made a mistake with Indomitian Sioux. Last time we talked about when Akeem Hicks went down, I asked you if you were surprised if that they didn't reach out to any of the other or the last two former 93s on this team and Sue and McCoy. You mention it. You mention it now. After that performance, do you think it's worth getting Sue on Sue on the line to bring him in at this point? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would like to think. Uh, Lord knows, I'm not training with him, but I would like to think that Endowment Sue has kept himself in the shape because he—that's just how he is. 
from from conversations I know with the people that play with him in Miami, and obviously coming here in Tampa Bay. And he's never officially retired. He's just unsigned. Well, the bottom line is the guy is the guy is a, he's a structure of life. I mean, his his whether it be on field, whether it be whether it be Monday, a day after the game, all the way to Sunday, his life is structured. That's the type of football player that he was. That's the type of life that he lives. Uh, and once again, like I said, I know people that play with him in Miami and covering here, here in Tampa Bay and talk to the people here in Tampa Bay. That's how he is. He's, he's structured. He's organized. Life. Boom. He's not just a, he's a football player that happens to be a guy that structures his life a certain way. You know, God bless him. But I know from covering him, when we talk to him once a week, we might have got him on a Wednesday or Thursday, depending on when we ran into him. All right. He was focused. His words, and I remember him often, were, all right, let's go. I got seven minutes. Literally, that's exactly what came out of his mouth. Okay. I got seven minutes. Why? Because every minute of his day is accounted for. Ain't got time to be, you know, dilly down around playing cornhole in, in the locker room, man. He's, he's, that's, that's the way he is. And, and that's why I appreciate him. And that's why I said, again, back when he made the decision to bring Hicks in here and not a guy that missed two games his whole career. That's why I said it was a mistake then. And I still feel it's a mistake now. The thing that I said last week in regards to the Bucks must feel good about who they have. Is because again, they watch a guy like Hakeem Nunez Roaches replace Vita Vea during the Super Bowl run. And this isn't a knock on Hakeem Nunez Roaches. Don't get it twisted. Because there's only so much you can you can, there's only so much you can do talent-wise to replace a potential all-pro, whether it be Vita Vea or a, a potential Hall of Famer, like in Dominican too. I mean, uh, you know, a number one pick overall in the NFL draft that played you know, 11, 12, 13 years and missed two games his whole career. So, you know, this isn't about this isn't about the guy that, that this isn't about the guys that replaced the guys who get hurt. It's about your plan moving forward to replace that guy <laughs> that got hurt. Yes. I'm point blank. Do you think that there's a chance at some point this season that Indomitian Sue's suiting up in a Bucks uniform? Uh, I mean, if I, I got to pick one. I'm circling no. Okay, I, th- I, th- I I can't imagine with the way that things played out that there weren't some bridges burnt a little bit with the way that things things were things were handled and the fact that Hicks was brought in there and that it wasn't just you and I questioning that decision. There were a lot of people around the league that that questioned that decision. And as I said, Sue never retired, and Sue mentioned that he did want to play football this year. So well. No, and you bring up a good you bring up a good point whether or not you know there's a bridge that's burnt. But I, I'll also say the fact that again they made that decision with the idea that they had enough, along with the draft pick they had in, in Logan Hall, mm-hmm. to replace who whom they may have lost in, in Hicks. So I I don't know, man. It. it Again, you you would like to think that he can be brought here and they can potentially get over what you mentioned as far as a burnt bridge. But if there's something that we don't know, it's one thing, though, Trey. 
Yeah. But if everything is out there, they made a bad decision. If everything is out there, they made a bad decision. I want to ask you about something else. We had a heated debate on the last show about how much the Bucks were running the football. And you mentioned that this past weekend, they only ran for three yards against the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, they throw the football 50 times. When you go down that many, you go down multiple scores early, that's obviously going to change your game plan. A couple of weeks ago, I was already worried about the Buccaneers running game. Are you to that level now where you are worried about the Buccaneers running game or are you still of the of the mindset that you had? It's a different situation because we were talking about a game where they weren't going to have likely their three top receivers, but are you still of that mindset of just keep feeding Lenny the ball and something good will happen? No, I'm not I'm not in that mindset. But remember when I said that, it wasn't a matter of well, just keep feeding the ball. Don't throw it. Don't throw it. Your team wasn't at full strength. Yeah. That's, that's the reason why. And, you know, when, when you think about the offensive line and think about it on Sunday night and say, okay, well, they threw it 52 times. What's the difference between this game and the last game? <laughs> Donovan Smith, who's covered that blind side, is the difference between this game and the last game. All right? That's the difference. All right? Having not not the backup left tackle, the backup backup left tackle, all right, covering the blind side. And I know a lot of folks are questioning the uh, play calling. I get it. I understand. A couple of things we need to get through, though. And that is the fact that, and yes, they were down 7 nothing early, down 14 nothing early. Eventually, the Chiefs scored, with the exception of one possession in the first half. They scored four of the five possessions in the first half. So they were down. I understand that. And that's part of the reason why they threw it 20 plus times on first down. So, you know, we didn't talk last week in regards to them relying on the running game. You get your left tackle back. You get your starting left tackle, not your backup left tackle. You get your starting left back, left tackle back. And then there's, then there's the talk of, okay, we're getting close to being whole. But here's the thing that no one talks about, Trey. And, and it's, Somebody might say, it's not about that. I'm telling you, it's about that. Before Donovan Smith comes back and the offensive line's not whole, for all the folks that wanted him to drop back and throw it 30, 40 times, if you're Byron Leftwich, do you want to be the offensive coordinator that gets Tom Brady hurt his last year? You want to be that guy? Because I can tell you right now, he doesn't want to be that guy. Right. So for everyone that, you know, oh, why are they throwing the ball this game? And why didn't they throw why didn't they throw it against Green Bay 50 times? That's why. Like it, like I said, it's not a blasting headline, but the reality is <laughs> you don't want to be that or for offensive coordinator that says, hey Tom, we're gonna put you back there 50 times with, with the backup to the backup left tackle. Well, and look at the difference in the in the two games. Green Bay scored. I, I understand that, but see, here's the yeah. thing. Again, here's the thing. Before Sunday night, Trey, people were asking them to throw the football more. I was one. I was one of those people. I, I said know. that they should. Yeah, and that's why I'm telling you, <laughs> and I'm telling everybody else who's questioning the play calling. All right, before Sunday night when they threw it 52 times, is that? Do you want to be the offensive coordinator <laughs> that says, we're going to put you back there 
All right? And have you thrown a football with your blind side protected by a backup to the backup? Because all it takes is one, one to knock out that dude who's 45 years old. And guess what? Maybe he comes back next year. Maybe he doesn't. The idea is that he doesn't come back, that he's not coming back next year. So you want your play calling to be the reason why his career ended? Come on, man. That's why. That's why. Nobody will tell you that's why, but that's why. If you're a play caller in the NFL, I don't think that that should be, I don't think that should be part of your mindset. I don't think that it should be. You can think that way, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, people, offensive coordinators, coaches think that way. Lynn, what's it going to take for... Why wouldn't you think that way? Why wouldn't you? Tell me why you wouldn't think that way. I think, I think as a, I think as a play caller in the NFL, you're goal should be to put your team in the best situation to win. And if you're consistently running the football and it's not working, I think you should be throwing the football more. Okay, that's fine. And I'm going to tell you again, as long as your team is whole, Byron Leftwich has the whole playbook open to him. Yeah, no, no, no. He can call whatever he wants. But you say that wouldn't be his mindset or shouldn't be anyone's mindset as far as a offensive coordinator is concerned and i'm telling you it is you want to want to know why because they know they're not whole so they don't have the whole playbook open to them that's the point the point is when when you're at a disadvantage with the injuries that they had along the offensive line you can't throw the playbook on the table in the quarterback well, and we got to remember it wasn't just the offensive line either it was the receiver you don't yeah. think i know that no I no no I, I told I, you yes i know i'm just i'm 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 throwing that out there i for Bottom me line is, whether it's the left tackle the right guard whatever it is they weren't whole so i'm telling you that's part of the thinking process the thinking process is okay bottom left which is sitting there he opens the playbook and says i can't do this i can't do this i can't do this yet why because his team's not whole yet. And because he's not going to be the guy that calls a play that gets that dude hurt and is finally be in the NFL. You say to me, an offensive coordinator shouldn't think like that. I'm telling you, he does. That may not be thinking number one. That may not be the first thing that comes to his mind. But you know, come on, man. Damn well, that comes in his mind because again. Oh, for sure. Okay, so then you told me a guy couldn't think like that. I'm telling you, guys will think like that. I'm I'm saying it's hard for it. It would be unrealistic for me to expect that that never went goes through Byron Leftwich's mind. But I don't think that it should. And I think I think if that if Tom Brady knew that was part of his mindset, Tom Brady wouldn't be happy with his play calling if that was part of Byron Leftwich's decision making. Dude, it, that's that's a problem throughout the whole year. You. Anytime a, a player goes down, part of the playbook is, is, is shrunk, depending on what position that player that player plays. You, no, lose, I, you lose certain players, and your playbook is affected by that. And as far as as far as Byron Leftwich or any offensive coordinator not thinking like that, again, their biggest responsibility is putting the people in a position to be productive. And if he calls a play. Well, he doesn't think it's not gonna it's gonna work. It's not gonna work. 
because of who they have playing on the field, because they have a backup left tackle and a backup right guard, that's part of being a leader. You have to do what's right to put your people in a position to be successful. My my whole argument with it the whole time was you say you you say that he thinks that something that something might not work or thinks that something's not going to work. My problem with it was especially going back a few weeks ago was going back to something that clearly wasn't working and you're still doing it. So you know that that's not working, but you're still doing that anyways. Yeah, that was my problem. And you want to know why? And we're going back to going back to that Saints thing. And I'm going to tell you again, a, the defense was holding them down. B. Okay. They were playing against the Saints, the team that has given you the biggest problem yeah. Since Thomas come to Tampa Bay. That's why. So, I mean, that's it. That's the bottom line. You want to tell me about two weeks ago and I'm telling you the same thing. That's why. If you, so if we have this conversation two weeks from now, then we can we can talk about it. Because until they play the Saints again, they won't be facing the, the their biggest nemesis since Tom Brady's been here. How surprised are you? That we're going into week five and this Bucks and Falcons game is a battle for first place in the NFC. I'm so. very surprised because I thought the Falcons would be the, one of the worst teams in the NFL. I, I said they'd be in the top five as far as the NFL draft's concerned. And not to say that they still won't be because <laughs> the only reason why they're two and two <laughs> is because of what I talked about earlier. That you want to, you want to credit Tom Brady for saying when plenty of people have said it <laughs> numerous times. Tom was just asked about it. Okay, parody. All right, Atlanta's parody doesn't always mean bad football, though. But oh, no, I no, do. No, 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 it doesn't. But in this case, it does. In this case, it does. As long as they're all eight and eight, dude. As, as long as they're eight and eight. Listen, if you tell me there are a bunch of teams that are nine, nine and seven, or even nine and eight, or ten and seven, now that they're seventeen games. Mm-hmm. All right, that's one thing. Get a couple of games over five hundred. That's one thing. All right. Those are, those are decent teams. But when there's a bunch of teams that potentially at the end of the year could be all eight and nine, that's bad football. You can say whatever you want. That's bad football. Look around the league. Look around the league in the quarterback play. Very limited as far as who, who the best ones are. All right? When you're looking up, when you're looking up stats and Joe Flacco's name, all right, <laughs> is near the top as far as passing us, don't tell me it's not bad football, dude. It is. It's bad football. That's number one. Beyond the records, like I said, you can look at it and see that it's bad football. Not only that, the quarterbacks that we're supposed to look at and be like, oh, that guy's a stud. He's a, he's going to be a stud for a long time. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. I mean, that's not happening this year. Joe Burrow's struggling. Yep. Russell Wilson is struggling. Okay. Mind you, you look up in the NFC West, and Geno Smith all of a sudden is – playing like he's back in, in, in freaking Morgantown in West Virginia, all right? So, again, look around the league, look at the quarterback play, and I will tell you, it's been bad football. Has Atlanta, done, has Atlanta done anything that has impressed you, and is there what should Bucks fans be worried about going into this Sunday? Kyle Pitts, maybe. Because of the way Kelsey, you know, had his nine catches. And I mean, it is Travis Kelsey, and you can argue arguably the best tight end in football. The only difference is <laughs> he can have Marcus Mario to throw him in the football and not Patrick Mahomes. But it's weird 
Because ever since I've been here in town and been around this football team since 2016, they've always had an issue playing against tight ends. Always had an issue yeah. covering tight ends. And I don't know that this is I don't know that this is a a linebacker issue. I don't know about that if, it, if it's a safety issue. I don't know if it's a scheme issue. But they've always had issues covering tight ends. I mean, it, you know, it, oh, shoot, we can go back to the days when other Atlanta Falcons tight ends were playing. I mean, even the bad ones. I mean, you talk about you know, about Greg Olson. You talk about you know, who? Jimmy who, Graham always gave the Bucks trouble when they would play. I forgot the the. Chicago Bears guy that caught touchdowns when Trubisky threw six touchdowns in that game in back in 2018 or 2019, yeah. whatever it was. I mean, but even back then, I mean, they've always had issues playing against quality tight ends. So that would that'd be the only thing I'd worry about Pitts. I mean, Patterson's out, Patterson's hurt. He's going to miss some weeks. I'd and be yeah. a lot more worried about this game if Cordero Patterson was playing, especially the way the run defense played last week. I think that when you're the Atlanta Falcons, you're a surprise two and two team. Uh, you're playing against a team that a lot of people still have high hopes for, including myself. You want to be, you need to be full strength if you're going to pull the upset. You mentioned you're worried about Kyle Pitts. I think they're going to have to throw the football a lot if they're going to win this game. And Drake London, the rookie wide receiver out of USC, has had some good games for them as as well too. But I admit, but I admit, I know you why you're going down the the Pitts bandwagon because of just the way that they play tight ends. I think the Bucks are going to have to are going to be able to peel their ears back and just try and get pressure on Mariota because without Patterson, I don't see this team as being able to threaten the Bucks in terms of running the football and also with hopefully still a a pretty solid full strength receiving core coming this weekend. I don't really see the way that Atlanta is going to shut down the Bucks offense. And we'll have to wait and see if the running game can get things going because we talked about it in the off season that that first month of the season was the toughest stretch of the Buccaneers schedule. A lot of people, because they're not used to, especially since Tom has been here to two game losing streaks, Tom Brady is not used to, used to three-game losing streaks, period. So a lot of Bucks fans are kind of, sky is falling. Oh, the team's two and two. We're not very good. Like, who are you worried about in the NFC if you're Bucks fans? You're playing the Falcons for first place on Sunday in the division. I don't think that the Falcons are going to challenge the Bucks. The The Panthers are, are in disarray. The Saints... The Saints are the that's Saints. Not, that's that's not no, no, no. It, but I'm I'm, I'm going to go even further with it. Are you worried about the Rams? The way the Rams are playing right right now, you you lost. You are a two point conversion short of getting Green Bay into overtime without your top three receivers and your and your starting left tackle. Are you really that worried about the Philadelphia Eagles and what they're doing? Are are they that much of a juggernaut to you right now? Like, if you're as Aaron Rodgers has said relax to me to me i don't understand all this sky is falling stuff because who are you worried about in the nfc again it it, it, it's week it's week five and in some ways you're right but every fan base hits the panic button that's number one number two is for everything you talked about in regards to the nfc if i'm a bucks fan i'm not looking at it that way I'm looking at the fact that this is supposed to be a team 
They're supposed to compete for the Super Bowl. Dude, you're not supposed to be worried about what everybody else is doing. Don't tell me about the drugs of, of the NFC South. That's not who we are. So don't tell me that the Panthers, are, oh, they stink. Oh, the Saints are having their problems. They stink. The, the Falcons are two and two. They stink too. It's not about that. It's not about what everybody else is doing. It's about what you're doing. And it's about the fact that the Chiefs came in here and handed you your lunch, flipped you over on your ankles, grabbed you by your ankles and shook you and took your change. That's exactly what the Chiefs did on Sunday night. Sorry to tell you, Bucks Nation, that's what happened, all right? Came in here, and they granted, the score was by 10 points, and they went up and down the field the first half. Up and down the field the first half. And again, rushed for nearly 190 yards. But the reason why people are pushing the panic button about their team is, again, most of the time, fans will overreact. But for the ones that aren't overreacting, they're doing it because, again, this isn't about anybody else. This isn't about the Rams and Matthew Stafford and his bad elbow. This isn't about them. This is about your team that's supposed to look like it's supposed to be ready to make a Super Bowl run. That's what it's about. And mind you, okay, before the season started, I said that this potentially, the game they played on Sunday night, could be, could be, a Super Bowl preview. <laughs> you played against one of the better teams in the AFC and they whipped your butt. That's why people are the, the ones that aren't always pushing the panic button. That's why they're worried a little bit. Right? It ain't about what other teams are doing. I just told you with the parity in the league. It ain't about what the, what the scrub teams are doing. It's about what your team's supposed to be doing. Quit worrying about what your neighbor's house looks like and fix your own house first. Who's the best team in the NFL a quarter of the way into the season? It's not Philadelphia. I'm not buying. I'm not buying them just yet. That's why I asked because when I mentioned Philadelphia, your eyes because lit up a I mean bit. You, you can't you can't sell them short. I mean they've done what they've had to do in the, in the four games they played so far. I mean that's why. But I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's them because look, pick a year, and I can tell you a team that's gotten off to seven or eight game winning streak all right and we look at them at the end of the year and they're gone right? arizona last year yep and i team. sung their pra- praises right. all season all right. long pittsburgh they pittsburgh same thing they went 10 and 0 11 and 0 before you knew it they got bumped out right the you know basically we they, whatever whatever it was rose to the surface and we finally saw what, what they actually were it happens all the time so i'm not buying philadelphia just yet i will tell you i will tell you that I was impressed how Casey played on Sunday night on both sides of the ball, all right? both lines, whether it be the offensive line and defensive line, all right? impressed with how they play. Other than that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Buffalo? I, mean, I could sit here and tell you Buffalo because I picked them to be in the Super Bowl because I had to make a prediction. But even they haven't looked, you know, I know they're banged up. People will tell you that. All right. I'll take Buffalo and KC. I mean, the two best teams in, in, in football right now in, in regards to, you know, it being the first month. But it's still early. And like I said, plenty of teams have gotten off to this uh, an undefeated start the first month, month and a half. And when it came to January, they were no longer to be found. I know we got to wrap things up here in a second, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I just want to quickly go through it. What's your take on everything that happened with Tua Tagovailoa? 
Oh, I like how all the doctors have come out. And and I don't mean I don't mean real MDs that park in special parking spots. I mean everyone on Twitter and, and social media that said, oh, he's never played on Thursday night. Well, y'all are the same people who that were, you know, betting on the Dolphins or betting on him on FanDuel and, and DraftKings. You know, you weren't worried about him. All right. People, people get all crazy in regards to, don't get me wrong, you know, his his medical issue and his health should be the most important thing. But don't, you know. But don't play Friday morning quarterback now that they play Thursday night games and say, oh, he shouldn't have played in the first place. You weren't saying that when he took the first snap, all right? You were sitting there eating your, eating your potato chips, drinking your beer, watching the game. Some people were. Some, Some people were. Not as many as there were on Friday morning, all right? I'm with you. Not as many as there were on Friday morning. Everybody wants to play Friday morning quarterback and say, oh, he shouldn't be playing, shouldn't be playing, shouldn't be playing, shouldn't be playing. You weren't saying that, you weren't saying that when he started, all right? I've known folks who wondered how we got clear, all right, how we got back into the game on Sunday. Some folks said that too, but that's my biggest thing. If you're really worried about somebody, worry about, worry about it on Sunday. Because I can honestly tell you, on Sunday when it happened and he got brought back, I was thinking, wow, that's, that's kind of weird. Guy looked like he had a concussion. I watched Daniel Jones do the same thing last year where he, basically you would think his shoelaces were tied together. Well, he couldn't walk. He didn't come back. Now, Thursday night, did I think about him getting hurt again when the game started? No, that's my issue. Everyone that watched the game on Thursday night when he, when he came out and started playing was thinking about watching a good game. They weren't thinking about two were talking about lower. Now, because he got hurt again, they were all up in, up in arms. Please. I do agree with how the NFL are possibly changing their uh, concussion protocol and their what's going on because something like that shouldn't, shouldn't happen. But... Uh, just a tough thing to see, and that injury was definitely scary on Thursday Night Football. That's going to do it for this week's show. Um, again, thoughts and prayers with everybody down in Southwest Florida once again. Hope the Bucks can have a better weekend this weekend and hopefully get some happy Bucks fans down there as well this weekend against the Atlanta Falcons. Until next week, he has been Lynn Martez. You can follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. I'm Trey Downey. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. And as always, check out BucksNation.com. Until next week. This has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.